heard there, when, they, when uh, Jesus uh, met with his disciples, uh, he opened the scriptures to their minds, or opened their minds to the scriptures. Let's pray he'll do that for us today. Lord, you're here with us by your spirit, and we pray that you would speak to us now. Pray that you would open our minds as you did the disciples so long ago. Pray you'd help us to understand your word. Pray you'd help us to receive you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. From our gospel reading, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them that this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. That's my theme today. Uh, The theme of being a witness. The Greek word there is the word mater meaning what is seen and heard. A witness was literally one who had seen and heard, seen and heard the Lord. The early church was founded on the testimony of those who had seen and heard the Lord Jesus Christ. Seen and heard him in his teaching ministry, seen and heard him in his healing ministry, seen and heard him in his hours before the cross, seen and heard him in his resurrection body. Luke begins his gospel and the book of Acts, which he wrote uh, as well, with these words. My dear Theophilus, many have undertaken to write up an account of the things that have happened among us, just as they were handed down from eyewitnesses at the first. I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, handed down from eyewitnesses at the first. The Apostle Peter writes in his letter, we ourselves heard his voice. The Apostle John writes in his letter, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at and touched, this we proclaim. Paul writes, He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Then at last he appeared to me as to one born late. We are witnesses. We proclaim what we have seen and heard, what we have touched and felt. Those of you who were here last week will remember the story of Thomas. Thomas who wanted to see for himself. Thomas who wanted to touch the wounds. Thomas who wanted to talk with the risen Lord. Thomas who wanted to be an eyewitness just as the other apostles were eyewitnesses. Thomas, who wanted to verify for himself, so that his testimony, his message, his witness too, could be the witness of an eyewitness. There's a reminder here that our faith is not just a story. 
not just a myth or a metaphor, not a poetic way of describing that love conquers all or reminding us that God wins at the end. But our faith is based on the witness of eyewitnesses, of men and women who were there, who ate with the risen Lord, talked with the risen Lord, and witnessed to the risen Lord for the rest of their lives. A witness is a martyr, one who sees and hears. And if that word sounds familiar, it's because from that word we get our English word martyr, one who witnesses with their life, one who gives their life for their witness. Those apostles didn't just speak about these things, didn't just write about these things, didn't just preach about these things, but witnessed that Jesus was alive by laying down their lives in the hope that they would rise with him. A hope that was secure because they had seen the risen Lord. Every one of these eyewitnesses, bar John, died a horrible death as a witness that Jesus had conquered death and was alive. In a few weeks, the Olympic Games will begin. And in preparation for that, the Olympic torch will be carried around the country. For weeks, the torch will be passed from runner to runner in each individual community. These runners are heralds that the games are about to begin. Each receive uh, the torch, run for a few miles, pass it on to the next. I don't know if you know this, but the torch is made of aluminium and gold. It's composed of 8,000 small Olympic rings welded together to make one Olympic torch. Each of those 8,000 rings represents one of the 8,000 runners who will carry the torch in preparation for for the Games. Each ring stands for one of those witnesses that the Games are about to begin. Their little ring, their little story, is included in the big story, the grand narrative that the Olympics are here. And so it is with the Christian faith. It's passed on and on for generations, from Jerusalem to the ends of the world, from father to son, from mother to daughter, from colleague to colleague, from community to community. It passes through different times and into different communities, and it's passed on again and again and again through ordinary churches. Ordinary, everyday churches, just like St. Giles. Ordinary men, women and children pass it on to their friends and their neighbours. They witness in their community through the words that they say, through the lives that they live, through the events that they organise, through the communities that they serve. Through worship and word and practical witness, they proclaim that Jesus is alive. These last few months, our PCC and leadership team have 
been considering how do we pass on this witness in our community? How do we hand on the flame? How do we herald that Jesus is alive and that he can transform our lives? How do we pass it on within our church? How do we pass it on in our community? to think about how we tie our little story our little story to the grand story that Jesus is alive considered where our priorities should be where our strengths are what challenges lie ahead we spent a day away thinking how can we build on our strengths and address the future challenges that we'll face as a church just briefly want to outline what we saw as some of our key strengths and some of our future challenges. Because these things will shape our agenda, not just for this year, but for the coming years. One of the strengths that we considered was our youth work. This last year, uh, we took 33 uh, youth leaders and young people away for a weekend. Three years ago, We didn't have enough young people uh, to be able to organise this event that we wanted to. We have weekday groups for our young people. We have a monthly youth club. We have a social night. We now have two Sunday morning groups. When our teenagers uh, leave for their activities, it feels like half the church drains away. And that's a good thing. Our youth work is one of our key strengths and one of our key priorities. It's when you're a teenager that you consider the big questions of life. Many of them will head off to university. And it's at university that the greatest number of Christians fall away from their faith. We've made youth work a priority over the last few years by employing Tom as our youth worker. He's been working part-time, 20 hours a week. And the growth that we've seen is as a result of the time and commitment that he has put into this area and the youth leaders that he's recruited have done the same. We're committed that this work continue. So as a PCC, we are committed to funding uh, the employment of another youth worker to take on uh, the role from Tom under a similar arrangement and to under God's hand and hopefully with God's blessing, see our youth work continue to grow. So Tom leaves in September. He'll be heading off uh, to be trained to become a vicar and uh, we'll be advertising soon for a replacement. Another area of our uh, church life which is growing and strong and we want to see continue to grow is our children's work and our family's work. Tiddler's group once a week is full to bursting. A few years ago, we began at Messy Church. It's now in its third year. From humble beginnings, uh, my family, another family, and a few uh, random children with their parents who'd wandered in from the cold, uh, we've seen it grow. It continues to grow month on month provides an entry into the church for those who might feel nervous about coming on a Sunday with their children. Our all-age services are among our best attended. Our baptisms are up year on year. 
So one of the things that we're doing as a church at the moment, as a PCC, is considering, well, can we fund a children's worker? Just as we have a part-time youth worker, could we have a part-time children's and families worker? Somebody who could give this area of church life their focused attention. Somebody who could make a real difference in this area and continue to see it grow. And that's something uh, that we're exploring now with a view to moving forward in the future. Another area that we're looking to develop over the summer is uh, a children's garden. For a while, our junior church had been saying it'd be great if we could use the garden. And so we've uh, got a a donation that we've been given. Some of our uh, church members with expertise in this area giving their time freely. And so we're going to create a children's garden, a sanctuary around the back of the church for not just our children's group, Uh, but for all of our church to use with uh, benches and patios and, uh, um, you know, all fun stuff that kids like to do that I don't know anything about. Third area of our work is our seniors' ministry. This, again, is something that grows and grows and grows thanks to the hard uh, work and ministry of Johanna and her team. I'm sorry, I, I can hear a clicking behind me. It's really distracting. Do we know what that could be? Okay. Um, thank you to um, Johanna for her seniors uh, ministry and all the work uh, that she does. Our Bradmore Coffee Mornings, the Soup and Rolls. Uh, this year we had our first uh, week away which was a roaring success, a residential holiday for our seniors. Something we're hoping to repeat in other areas of church life, uh, residential weeks. Um, The caring and friendship within our seniors group is a real Christian testimony. Uh, Something that is easily overlooked and undervalued. But it's something that I see in action every single week. Also had advice workshops, uh, different events that the seniors team have organised to look in practical ways how we can serve uh, the needs of our older members. I'm not aware of any church in the diocese that has a similar work with older people of the same width or length and breadth, depth and breadth I should say, as our seniors ministry. One of Johanna's frequent moans, and she doesn't moan that much, but she does occasionally, is that she can't find anyone else who's doing the same thing that she's doing in a church like ours. And that's because we're leading the way. Another area of strength that we want to build on as a church is our pastoral work as a church. How will the world see that Jesus is alive? How will the church witness to his resurrection power? Well, Jesus said this. By this you will all know, by this all will know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. That you love one another. That you care for one another. This is an area of our life that we want to Uh, see develop and grow. At the moment, uh, Daphne coordinates this ministry. She does a fantastic uh, job. Uh, My thanks go to her. 
Um, in the autumn term, uh, Debbie Keown will be giving up some of her uh, responsibilities in other areas of church life. And together they're hoping to uh, form and lead and develop a pastoral team. At the moment we uh, help people in many different practical ways. We organise lifts, we organise shopping, we organise hospital visits. We have a friendship programme for those who are on their own. There's much more that we could do and we want to see this area grow. Just one very brief story of our uh, pastoral work in action. Two years ago, maybe a bit longer, three years ago, uh, a lady called Shirley moved into a house not far from St. Giles. Uh, she'd been attending church all her life. She uh, was older. Uh, she came to this area to be closer to her grown-up family. She nervously uh, attended St. Giles a few weeks uh, on the trot, was very different in style to the kind of church that she was used to. It took her a while to find her feet. Gradually, she engaged with the worship. Slowly, uh, she made friends. She found her faith, which I think she would describe as very private and something which had been, I think she would say, quite dormant for a while, uh, come alive. She had lots of questions. She didn't feel comfortable going to a home group. So a member of our church volunteered to meet with her regularly, to pray with her, to answer her questions, to look at the Bible together. Shirley got more and more involved, and then she was diagnosed with cancer. Suddenly there was a need for chemotherapy. There was lifts to the hospital. She couldn't do her shopping. All of these were things that Daphne took on and organised. A rotor of people was arranged to take her to the hospital. Uh, People volunteered to do the shopping. The cancer progressed. Members of St. Giles were there at her bedside at difficult times. Finally, Shirley died. Her service, funeral service, was held here at St. Giles. And again, members of St. Giles ministered to her grieving family. Many of you will not have met Shirley. Some of you will know her and remember her. This ministry is not glamorous. It's not something that gets in the notice sheets. It's not something that someone will stand up and talk about on a Sunday morning. But I thought it was important to highlight it this morning. This is how we love one another as a church. This is how we witness that Jesus is alive. It's not glamorous. It's not flashy. You don't win any prizes for it. This made a real difference in Shirley's life and the life of her family. And this ministry is repeated uh, in the lives of different folk in our church and in our community week on week. We also want to be good news and not just tell people good news. We want to bless our community in practical ways. We have good relationships with our mission partners and we want to strengthen those. 
in our AGM following uh, this meeting, uh, one of those representatives of one of our uh, mission par partners, at Claire Barker, will be sharing uh, news from Friends International. One of the commitments we've made as a PCC is to see if we can find a practical project addressing uh, local needs that we can uh, really get behind with and really get involved with, and we're going to explore that together. So those are some of our strengths. Those are some of the ways that we seek uh, to serve Christ now and witness that he is alive. But what about the future? What about the years ahead? Where do the challenges lie for us? Just briefly, uh, going to highlight a few of these. One of the things that we have been thinking about briefly and intend to give more time to as a PCC is our weekly pattern of worship. We feel that our Sunday mornings, particularly this service, this 10 o'clock service, doesn't have what you would call a clear identity. It's a challenge for us to accommodate the rich diversity of Anglican life within one service here at St. Giles. I'm aware as the person who stands at the front that our Sunday morning 10 o'clock congregation changes a lot each week. There's some of us who only come when it's communion. There are others who only come for an all-age service. One of the things we want to think about as a PCC and as a church as we consult is how can we um, give this service a stronger identity so it doesn't feel like it bounces from one style uh, to the next uh, week by week. That we don't leap from uh, kids running around with stickers and sticky tape and worship band with, ba with uh, drums and everything else going on one week and then suddenly uh, choir processing with uh, robes and cross and uh, sung responses the next. Haven't got any answers. There's no uh, secret plan up our sleeve, but it's something we want to consult on and address. Uh, it's a challenge for us. We're thinking about as, the, as our community changes and as our congregations change, how does our worship uh, need to change too? That's one thing that we're challenged by in thinking about our patterns of worship. Another thing that we're um, thinking about and challenged by is um, how do we be church in an increasingly fragmented world? Very aware that the pattern of worship, of people's worship in lives, has changed within a generation. A few years ago, if you were a real keeny, you would attend twice on a Sunday. Now, if you're a real keeny, you might attend every week. Soon, if you're a real keeny, you'll attend uh, twice a month. The pressures on our time uh, increase and increase and increase. The pressures on your children's time, on your parents' time, increases and increases. I'm often fascinated when I talk to uh, you church members, about other people within our church, how few of us uh, know more than half a dozen really, really well. Often struck when I mention the name of somebody who I'm sure everybody knows, I'm quite often met by blank uh, faces. 
We don't know each other as well as we might hope to. Our worlds are increasingly fragmented. We zip between family life, work life, church life. And it's a challenge uh, being church in that fragmented world. So we think about what can we do to help uh, draw us together as a church. And some of the things uh, that we're exploring is perhaps a church weekend away. Where for one weekend a year we could all gather together as a church uh, for a time away together. A time of fun, a time of fellowship, a time of worship, a time of teaching. Get together young and old across the different congregations, through the different worship styles, and actually spend some real time together. That's just one idea, but we're exploring others too. Thirdly, our um, third challenge, or challenge that we're particularly uh, thinking about at the moment, is how do we witness that Jesus is alive beyond these four walls? How do we raise the profile of St. Giles within our community? Not just that people might think, oh, well, St. Giles is a great place and it's got a lot going on, but that they might discover that Jesus is alive and Jesus changes lives. So we're we're thinking about that too. One practical thing we're hoping to do soon um, is uh, Sally Poon, a member of our uh, congregation, is going to take on a role as a kind of church advocate. Get the news of St. Giles into local media. Tell the stories of St. Giles in our local community. Market the presence of St. Giles. But also we want to think about other things that we can do. And one of the things that we're considering is, well, could we do a passion play? Could we do a community passion play right here in West Bridgeford? Uh, For the last few years, in fact, going back beyond the last few years, uh, we've put on Easter productions. This year we had uh, the play Who's This Man that our young people uh, organised and led the week before we had, the year before we had the Easter play. And these are fantastic events. They're things I really want to support and encourage. but they happen within these church walls. And the folk who come are folk who are largely part of St. Giles. We are good at the arts here at St. Giles. We're good at plays. We're good at music. We're good at um, uh, arts stuff. But how can we take that out into our community and put it at the service of the good news of Christ? And so one thing that we're thinking about again as a PCC is well, how about setting aside a year, uh, perhaps 2014? And in the run-up to that year, we organise a, a community passion play. It's a movement spreading across the country of local uh, communities organising local passion plays that tell the story of Jesus out in their community. That's something I'd like to see us uh, involved in here at St. Giles. Not just we put on a play somewhere else, but that we involve local uh, drama groups, local operatic groups, local schools. And together we put on a performance in the heart of our community. Not just a show, not just a story, but the story, the story of Jesus.
and he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are martyrs of these things. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is that you would lead us by your Spirit in all of these things. We want to hear your voice. We want to follow your leading. We want to be people at your command. Lord, we want to be good news in our community. Speak good news, be good news, serve the good news. We thank you for all that you've done in the life of St. Giles over the last year and before. We serve in anticipation of all that you will do in the future. Lord, we pray that you would lead us and bless us. We thank you for these areas of growth that we see. We're aware that any growth is at the blessing of your hand. And Lord, as we seek to address future challenges. We pray that you would lead us and guide us. We don't want to misstep, or go too fast or go too slow. So Lord, we look to you to set the pace and direct our steps. In the name of Christ. Amen.